Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies and organizations. I'm your host, Aaron Quitkin, broadcasting from my home office in Westchester County, New York. Today, I'm excited to be joined by three guests for a special panel showcasing the work of the Ironman Foundation's Operation Iron Aid Program, which, in light of the PPE needs amid the COVID-19 pandemic, has worked to repurpose new race shirts into non-sterile face masks. Thanks to partners, Custom Framer, FrameBridge, and socially responsible fulfillment service Good360, Iron Aid has been able to significantly expand the reach of the program. My guests today are Mike Kane, Senior VP of Operations and Supply Chain at FrameBridge, Sherry Rudolph, Chief Marketing and Chief Development Officer of Good360, and Sarah Hartman, now a two-time guest on Brand on Purpose, who is Executive Director of the Ironman Foundation. And Sarah, you have that distinct honor of being our second time guest in under one year. So welcome to you and to Mike and to Sherry. Welcome to Brand on Purpose. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thanks. Happy to be here. So we're just going to do a little level setting just to start. We'll start with Sarah, then go to Mike, and then go to Sherry. Each of you can just very briefly describe your organization and your role, and then we're going to get over to Iron Aid. Sarah, let's start with you. Will do, and quite honored to be here for a second time. Thank you for having me. I'm Sarah Hartman, the Executive Director of the Ironman Foundation, which is the charitable arm of the Ironman Group and our family of endurance events all over the world, about 250 events in 58 countries and six continents, and names that most people are familiar with, Ironman, Ironman 70.3, the Rock and Roll Marathon Series, Absa Cape Epic, and many, many more. And it's our role to provide and create tangible impact in all the communities where our events are held by awarding grants and supporting volunteer efforts. And in a typical season, We are supporting multiple communities, about 1,500 organizations per year with $2 million in grants. We're facilitating hands-on service projects where people are giving back in the race community as part of their experience. We're building bikes for local kids. We're helping with disaster relief. And this year has been entirely different. So in the wake of COVID-19 and the pandemic, we repurposed a program called Iron Aid, which helps raise funds for medical and health-related causes into a program that all of our athletes, fundraisers, and donors are currently engaged in. So the Iron Aid COVID-19 support fund was launched in March. We've raised about $250,000 to date. The first round of grants went out at the beginning of May. The idea was to rapidly fund organizations to meet immediate needs and help as many people as possible. And in that first round, we've served 1.25 million people. There are also a couple of programs involved with Iron Aid, and one's called Operation Iron Aid Nutrition, where we're helping to meet nutritional needs in our communities. But the one I'm really excited to talk about today is Operation Iron Aid Face Masks. And so when we're ready, I'll give you the whole story of how that happened and how these incredible friends from FrameBridge and Good360 have worked with us to make it happen. That's a great segue. Sherry, why don't we uh, bounce over to you and talk a little bit about Good360? Sure. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. And we're really honored to be a part of this initiative overall. 
So Good360 is a nonprofit. We're the global leader in product philanthropy and purposeful giving. And what that really means is that we work with socially responsible companies that have product that they want to donate, and we match that product up with vetted approved nonprofits all around the country. We have a membership base of over 90,000 nonprofits here in the United States, and it represents every cause imaginable under the sun, small nonprofits, large nonprofits, national organizations, local community organizations. And those organizations are able to take the product donations that we provide from our corporate donors and make sure that they get put to the best possible use within those local communities. So we've distributed more than $9 billion in goods in our history, and it's everything that you could think of except for food and pharmaceuticals. So clothing, footwear, personal care items, home goods. We even distribute automotive parts, if you can believe it, and there is a need for that. And in 2019 alone, we distributed over $330 million in goods. So with COVID-19, we're supporting our network across the United States to get needed goods. And it certainly started out with PPE. And as you can imagine, it's evolved pretty rapidly. And the needs have really expanded in communities around the U.S. as the jobless numbers grow and people face really significant economic, adverse economic impacts from this crisis. With this project, with the Ironman Foundation and Framebridge in particular, we played a really specific role around logistics and transportation with the help of one of our very important partners, the UPS Foundation. So I know we'll be digging into that a lot more in a few minutes, but that's really the highlight of what Good360 does and what our mission is. I'm going to have to exercise all sorts of discipline because I think I have like 10 questions for you that I might not even get to, but thank you for that intro. It's fascinating. Just real quick, Good360 just in the U.S. or is it global? Both. Good360 operates both domestically and internationally. The lion's share of what we do is domestic, but we do some international work with trusted partners abroad. Right. Cool. All right, Mike, you're the closer for the opener. Over to you to talk about FrameBridge. First of all, thank you for having me. FrameBridge is an omni-channel custom framer in a retail company, and we're based in Washington, D.C. from a corporate headquarters standpoint, but our operations are in Richmond, Kentucky. And customers can make contact with us a number of different ways, but it's typically through e-commerce platforms and they can upload art to us. Or we have a mail-in process as well. And then we have retail stores as well, two of them in the Washington, D.C. area, but others planned for the future. So what happens from a customer standpoint is they make contact with us. They send us their art in either through the e-commerce platform, through a mail-in program or through our retail stores. We frame that for them and we send it back to them. And we do that as an industry-leading company. We do it more rapidly than others and, and with great service. So that's the core of our business. As the COVID pandemic hit, we pivoted very quickly into PPE. And that's something we're very proud of as well and look forward to talking about today. And did you have a previous partnership with Iron Man in general beforehand? Framebridge did not know. Okay. All right. I was just kind of curious. So that's a good question actually around how the three of you came together. So as we record this, and I don't mind giving the date because everything seems to be moving faster and slower at the same time these days. So today's May 21st, 2020. There are more than 1.5 million cases of coronavirus in the U.S. alone. So Sarah, how did you bring all these three organizations, amazing organizations together and so quickly? I keep saying I'm always looking for silver linings during this very challenging and uncertain time. Silver linings, joy where you can find it, humor where you can find it. And this relationship and this story that I'm excited to share has brought great joy and is definitely a silver lining. 
So as I mentioned, we launched the Iron Aid campaign. As you can imagine, being in the events business, there are some new unused race shirts in our warehouse. We had the idea that we wanted to sew them into non-sterile face coverings, upcycle them, if you will. And we went through a few iterations of what the program would be like. Could we send out a pattern to athletes and have them sew them? And finally, we got to work looking for a partner who could sew them. And as I mentioned, we had launched the Iron Aid COVID-19 Support Fund and Mike Kane, who he did not mention this in his intro, but Mike has done, I hope I have the number right, Mike, but 39 Ironman and Ironman 70.3 events. He's right on the Ironman XC program and also as an Ironman Foundation athlete multiple times. So he generously donated to the Iron Aid Fund and I wrote him a thank you note. And he replied and explained that they were repurposing the Framebridge factory in Kentucky to help meet PPE and immediate needs and asked, is there anything you need? And I said, could you take a new race shirt and turn it into a non-sterile droplet face mask? Two days later, at my door was a delivery from Framebridge with the prototypes. That was a super exciting moment for us and I think really speaks to a couple of things. One. In a time like this, anytime brands and organizations, nonprofit, for profit, can partner together and find unique ways to leverage resources and their capabilities, it is a true win. And so I would say, first, that was such a delight to connect with Mike, and I think also speaks to the power of our athlete family or Ohana, as we like to mm-hmm. say it and that we had this connection already and then just found a way to make it happen quickly. We then got to work on how do we get all the shirts out of our warehouses into Kentucky. And I'll also mention, side note, that we have an Ironman Foundation ambassador athlete named Bethany Smith who works for Beam Suntory. And she worked with their marketing team. They had a whole bunch of new unused shirts as well. And so we wanted to get those into Kentucky as well. And it was Mike who connected us through their UPS contact to Good360. And I think, Sherry, if I'm not mistaken, that phone call happened the same day and we had the whole chain connected within 24 hours. It was super fast and very exciting. That's exactly right. It was that quick. Yes. So those prototypes, Mike, that you sent, were those old race shirts from your 39 races or what did you (laughs) use? Just out of curiosity. No, actually, those are t-shirts for our employees. So we tend to celebrate things like milestones and great performance. And we had some t-shirts here. And as Sarah and I talked, we thought we should get to this pretty quickly because we did not know how we were going to do this. We were just sure that we could. And we took those t-shirts, we cut them up, created the prototypes and sent them off. How much of your business right now, Mike, is really focused on philanthropic and pro bono type endeavors given the pandemic? We are in the PPE business now in terms of we don't make any money at this, but we're doing it and we'll continue to do it as long as we can help. And that really starts with our CEO, Susan Tynan, and it permeates our organization as we really want to help. So we're in the PPE business as long as people need it. But we are back to framing as well this week as well. So we shut down our factory on March 27th for the most part, other than the PPE work at the governor's request. And we were closed for the better part of three weeks at that point, but now we're back to framing. We're doing PPE as well. Well, I'm glad you're back. And 
I just want our listeners to know it wasn't a setup question because Mike and I didn't talk about it beforehand, but I just wanted to recognize that it's because of people like Mike and organizations like Framebridge that were able to live that spirit of Ohana and, and live that spirit of Ironman and Ironman Foundation because you didn't have to do that. You could have just focused on what that return to work looks like, that return to manufacturing looks like and not worry about giving back, but you didn't because that's not who you are and it's not the spirit of your lifestyle as an Ironman triathlete. So I just wanted to point that out. I say that with a lot of bias because I have a lot of affection for Ironman group and Ironman foundation. Now, so the connection then was, it was then your connection through UPS that then it sounds like the three of you then came together. And then Sherry, what is your role in this in terms of distribution? It sounds like you guys are masterful at logistics, at supply and demand, right? What is your role in the distribution process of these new PPEs? This is what Good360 really does. We are, as you said, a logistics expert in the philanthropy space. So we are very good at moving product around to where it's needed most. And this is the kind of project that we're always looking for. We're very focused on making sure that the right goods get to the right people at the right time. So like I said in my opening, it's really not just about giving and donations, but it's about purposeful giving and making sure that those donations are actually aligned with needs. So when the Ironman Foundation reached out, we knew we wanted to be a part of this. As we said, the connection originally came from our mutual connections at UPS. UPS has been a fantastic partner for Good360 for a number of years, and they provide some support and expertise to be able to allow us to move goods around the country really effectively and really efficiently. So while our capabilities are, are a lot broader than just the shipping piece of it, in this case, it was that slice of our logistics expertise that was really needed to make this piece come together, and we were happy to do that. How do you decide where to ship and who to ship to? Well, in this case, the Ironman Foundation actually had organizations lined up where they wanted the completed face masks to go to. Otherwise, we could, Good360 could provide that service to donors. So like I said, we have a network of more than 90,000 vetted and approved nonprofits around the country. So we're very good at matching up donations to where they're needed and making sure that they can have the most impact possible in local communities. In this case, it wasn't needed because the Ironman Foundation had already done the work. So Sarah, why don't you pick it up from there? Where are many of these PPE, non-sterile, I should say, face masks going? So there's an application form on our website. We've been taking applications for some time now. We've announced two beneficiaries to date. The Arizona Professional Firefighters Association is receiving a large shipment. We're also arranging to have some of the acrylic face shields that Framebridge is manufacturing sent to them. So keeping those frontline workers safe, both with the face shields and the non-sterile face masks. And we also announced a delivery to the city of San Francisco through their Department of Park and Rec. And those are going to help keep vulnerable folks safe, the homeless, public housing, et cetera. And so we encourage people to continue to apply and we're going to make them until we run out of shirts and do exactly what we can. But Again, kind of a, a dream scenario that we have organizations who definitely have expressed need and we have a partner like Good360 who can get them where they need to go. And of course, a partner like Framebridge who can make all those things come together. This is a totally shallow and simple question, but I'll ask it anyway, because it's my specialty. How many face masks can you make out of one shirt? 
I guess it depends on if it's small, medium, medium, large, extra large or whatever, but on average, just out of curiosity. I'm going to let Mike take that one. <laughs> You're right. It depends on the size of the shirt. It could be as little as five or six and it could be as many as nine. That's incredible. So I guess everybody's a finisher. Are these finisher shirts primarily? Some of them are kind of evergreen shirts. Not everybody can see this, but this is a rock and roll San Francisco. Oh, I love that. Finisher shirt. So not all of them have logos on them, but the most important part is that covers your face. Right. And they're washable. Yes. And they come with instructions that before using them the first time, you need to wash them. And of course, you should wash them every single day. What has the response been, Sarah, so far? I mean, I'm sure, full disclosure, we work together in a different capacity, but helping Ironman and Ironman Foundation with PR and whatnot. But I imagine the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, super positive. A lot of thumbs up on the whole idea of upcycling the material and helping to meet a need you know, that is ongoing. We don't know how long the CDC will recommend that we wear face coverings, but certainly for the time being, very well received. And we've started to have some conversations in Europe now too. We have a warehouse in Frankfurt that has quite a few shirts. And so we've been having some cool meetings talking about a similar sort of thing with some factories there to try and get non-sterile face masks into those communities. I mean, not to digress, but you just think about as Ironman Group prepares for a return to racing in a safe and smart way, of course, I envision a world where when you pick up your bag, your swag bag, your athlete bag, your gear, it's going to come with a couple of face masks for others, right? So could be a while. Could be a very long time. Nobody knows. Precisely. You know, our team is working diligently at the return to racing and lots of amazing work happening there. I think I will also take this opportunity to acknowledge the advent of the Ironman Virtual Race Series and congratulate you, Aaron, because I believe you are one of the 1,400 athletes who's completed all of the races. Is that correct? Yeah. So far, I'm seven for seven. and I'm addicted. I love it. For those who may not know, almost overnight, Ironman launched a virtual racing series, Ironman VR. And there are hundreds of thousands of athletes who are registered and racing every weekend, these virtual challenges of different distances. It's run, bike, run, no swimming at this time. We do some coverage over the weekends on Facebook, on our Facebook watch channel called Ironman Now, where pros will go head to head doing the bike portion of the race on the virtual platform called Ruby. It has been truly exciting to be a part of. I'm also very pleased to say that during that pro coverage, we get to talk about irony. There's always a segment where we highlight this relationship, for example, with Framebridge and Good360. We had shared some videos from the city of San Francisco when they received the announcement of their masks. We're sharing grant stories. So, so that's been pretty amazing. But most importantly, the VR series, which also was launched for the rock and roll uh, marathon series, has created this incredibly vibrant and important place for our athletes, our community of athletes to stay connected, to train and to race so that when we do return, we're fit and we're ready to go. Just like you, Aaron. And I also need to give you another shout out because you signed up to race with the Ironman Foundation at Ironman Arizona on Team I did. I want to be Mike Kane one day. That's my goal. I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm nowhere near 39. Combined, I'm about 20 total for halves and fulls, but not 39. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible and admirable. And so 
just in terms of silver linings, because you opened up with that earlier, I do think, and this is not to sound indelicate or insensitive because so many people have lost their life, their lives, as well as loved ones that we know, COVID-19, but there are acts of heroism and generosity and courage that come out of every crisis, right? And I think that this is one of many that we're talking about. But Sherry, you probably witness this every day in the same way that Sarah does with Ironman Foundation, because you right. this is your mission. This is what you do. That's do right. you think, so how will your business change post COVID-19 and how has it changed during COVID-19? I'm just kind of curious. And I say business broadly, obviously, you're an organization that does amazing things. Sure, absolutely. I think it's in a few ways. So we are seeing a tremendous increase in the number of product donations that we're receiving just in the last couple of months compared to the beginning of the year and certainly compared to the same time last year. And I think that's a combination of just good 360s track record in donating goods and doing it well and representing our corporate donors well. But it's also really a reflection of the increase in need. Like I said earlier, with so many people being furloughed or completely out of work, those basic needs, basic personal needs, basic household needs are, are on the rise. So we're in a position where we're taking in a lot more product donations. We're distributing a lot more products to people who need them. So I think that these kinds of times or environments overall, but then a partnership like this specifically really reinforces the value and the role that an organization like Good360 can play, and really that the nonprofit sector overall can play. These partnerships just give us that extra additional exposure, and they illustrate some of the unique ways that the nonprofit sector or any organization can add value, which may not be always really obvious. It's not always just about maybe donating money, but it's about coming together in a really creative way where organizations can leverage their unique individual strengths, which I think is what you see with this partnership between the Ironman Foundation, Framebridge, and Good360. Yeah, I mean, what we're really talking about is donating expertise and skills, which sometimes manifests itself in product, not always money, like you said. But it's that right. combination. And Sarah, did I hear you correctly? You said that from the start, when you announced this for Iron Aid, in particular with PPEs, you raised $250,000? That's as of today. We'll mention we're almost at the end. Saturday is the last day of our 24-7 ride for relief. So we've had athletes riding consecutively all 24 hours of the day from all over the world. I think the latest statistic was that they'd hit 13,000 miles last night raising funds and awareness for all of these programs. And it's been very interesting to see the effect on the athletes to work on programs like the face masks to fund them, the nutrition program, the grant program, they have purpose in their training. And that's been pretty exciting. I've said a few times now that in all of this uncertainty and feeling helpless, really, the idea that we can come together and raise funds and rapidly fund grants and see the impact that that's creating, as well as get a shirt from a warehouse into Kentucky and then onto a first responder to see that impact actually happening gives us purpose and drive and feels like we're not as helpless in this uncertain time. So that truly is a gift. And just want to say to Mike and Sherry again, on behalf of all of us at Ironman, how deeply we appreciate the opportunity to make that happen for people. You guys are amazing. Well, it's, it's mutual, Sarah, for sure. It's mutual. 
Thank Mike, you. did I read correctly that your background is in engineering? I have some background in engineering. Uh, I think you're being humble. <laughs> Do you, how does that play into preparation and being able to pivot and to think differently? Because I long felt like people who are typically actually really successful and or addicted triathletes like yourself and myself have a preparation kind of anything can happen, be prepared for anything, contingency planning mindset. And I do find that people who come from the technical field, especially engineers, are really adept at that. How has that helped guide you when it comes to crisis and even working through this project with Ironman Foundation and Good360? I think it was great to see the team and how they performed and some of the things we talk about. So when we think about preparation and, and just standard processing, we, we talk about standard work and doing things the same way all the time. And this was really new to us as a business. The face shields, not as much, but the droplet masks were. And when Sarah provided us with that opportunity, we, we pulled the team together and we talked about the challenge that was ahead of us. And it was just really great to see the team use that kind of standard work and preparation to figure out how to sew a droplet mask and then how to do it and how to train others in doing that as well. So it was really a pleasure to see that in terms of the things that we talk about every day in our normal framing business to translate that to droplet masks and then to see over the course of really two to three days, they actually developed templates and standards and they were able to train elders in a process that we didn't have at the beginning of that week. So for me, it was a very rewarding experience to see the team actually execute the things that we talk about here every day, but do so in a very strange environment. Yeah, no, I think that's really well said. Maybe you're doing this already, but I feel like there's an opportunity for you to do a how-to video. I see people making their own masks, obviously, for themselves, but Maybe there's an opportunity for you to do a how-to video for others as well. Yeah, it's a great idea. In fact, we have videos of both our face shields and our droplet masks, and we just want to help, so we'd be happy to share those with others. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely incredible. And so, Sarah, can you tell us who's next in terms of lucky organizations or recipients, or do we want to keep that quiet for now? The list is long. I bet. We are, thanks to Mike and his team, working as quickly as possible to fulfill as many applications as we can. They've come in from all over the country, from all kinds of different organizations. I will mention that we are closing the application window on the second round of Iron Aid grants on May 29th, and those will be announced in the early part of June. So if there are any health-related organizations who have COVID-19 response programs, From anywhere in the world, we would invite them to apply at ironmanfoundation.org slash ironaid. Again, the deadline is May 29th. We have made the application as simple as possible. We know people are very busy right now and look forward to receiving those grant applications. It's been amazing, the response. It's kind of like, it's great and terrible (laughs) that you have so much interest because no one wants to be in this situation ever again. And are these numbers correct that you're looking at turning 50,000 unused t-shirts into 500,000 non-sterile masks? Well, that would be our hope. And again, you know, using Mike's formula uh, based on the size of the shirt, yeah, approximately it is possible to make that happen. And so we're going to do our very, very best to get those made and get them out to people as quickly as possible. No pressure, Mike, right? (laughs) Mike's going over his calculations right now as we speak, so he needs to take a break. And then just very quickly in closing, just describe the logistics, the process of how the three of you are working together. 
I get how you came together. It makes complete sense. Everybody has a very specific role to play, but it's never as simple as it seems from hearing this on a podcast. What is a day in the life like? So the grant comes in, rather the grant is approved. It's people who apply. There's a certain number of unused shirts that you've already shipped or you're shipping over to Mike and his folks at Framebridge. And then it's up to Good360 as well to then figure out the logistics of getting them to the right people and making sure that it's timely and that I guess, I don't know where the quality check comes in, if that's at Mike or if that's with Sherry, like how does it all work? I think you said it almost perfectly. And I guess we're going to get you to work in the mask business next. (laughs) The thing is that the shirts are already in Kentucky. So Good360 was kind enough to get everything there. So Mike's got all of those in inventory in Kentucky. We have a tracking workbook, a shared workbook that our team at the Ironman Foundation shares with Mike and his team. And as we decide to fulfill, as a beneficiary organization is selected, we move into fulfillment and how many, where they're going, et cetera. Then we're meeting with Mike on a routine basis and he's saying how many we have to ship out. When an order is ready, he provides the number of boxes, dimensions, how many pallets, that sort of thing. And then we make that request of Good360 and they provide us with the shipping labels. And then Mike, I'll let you chime in from there. But from what I understand, because you're using UPS, that it then just goes through your regular process once the boxes are labeled. It does. It's a very seamless process for us. Once we get the labels for it, the boxes are just moved to our UPS truck that, that's on our dock every single day. So we have one there seven days a week, and it just becomes very seamless for us. It's very easy for us to execute this process. It sounds like UPS is a little bit of an unsung hero in this whole thing as well, because I know that, Mike, you work with them, but it sounds like, Sherry, that they've been a partner of Good360 as well for some time. That's true. Longstanding partner for us, helping us with a lot of things on the disaster recovery front in particular. And like I said, it's it's logistics, but it's also kind of general expertise and support that they provide. And we wouldn't be able to do what we do without the support of the EPS Foundation, for sure. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the brand in particular, as well as their foundation. And Mike, you'll probably appreciate this, but I know that when I'm out on the road cycling, which is a very dangerous activity, it just is but it's something that I'll always continue to do. When I see a UPS truck turning, backing in, coming the other way or coming up behind me, I'm never worried because those guys are so professional and conscientious and so understanding and they share the road. But I think that's kind of the spirit of that organization. I'm sure you've experienced that as well, Sherry. That's absolutely true. And actually our CEO is a 32-year veteran from UPS. So he has really kind of hammered home key messages around safety, even in our operations, so that you're right. That's a core value that they uphold and share with their partners. So just in closing, I just want everybody to talk a little bit about briefly what it is that they miss most that they can't do right now. Some of it's obvious, I know, but maybe less obvious. Something that you're able to do that you really valued pre-COVID that you can't wait to get back to, even in a hybridized way. Whatever the post-COVID or the return to some sort of normal world looks like in the coming weeks and months. And I want to start with you, Mike, and then go to Sherry and then end with Sarah. I think for me, one of the things that I miss most is just talking to our employees and just walking up to them and 
and seeing how they're doing and talking about the weekend or how we're doing at work or those types of things. It's very challenging to do that in today's environment. We still do it, but it's just not as intimate or as open as it was two months ago. And that's something that's very important to me. And I think our employees feel that with each other as well, just the opportunity to communicate very closely with each other. Sherry? Yeah, thank you. I have to echo what what Mike says. So I live in a different part of the country from where the Good360 headquarters are. And granted that we've all been in the same boat for the last couple of months with everybody working from home and not being able to come together in our office space and collaborate like we're used to doing. But for me, being across the country and in a different time zone, I really miss the day-to-day when I can make those trips to our headquarters in the D.C. area and see people face-to-face. So I would echo that from what Mike said. And then related to that, I just really miss friends and family, not being able to get together with family or travel to see family and good friends has been really hard for these last couple of months. That's probably pretty high on the list too, when things start to get back to normal. Yeah. Sarah? Well, my answer is probably pretty obvious. I can't wait to get back to the races and to be able to travel and to be around sport in the after, as we say, it's going to look different and feel different for some time. And But there is still this incredible community gathering where we celebrate physical activity, competition, all that sport means to us and the hope that it brings us in a collective setting that I miss. And specifically with regard to the Ironman Foundation, as I mentioned, we traditionally do things like build bikes for kids and do service projects where in South Africa at the Ironman 70.3 World Championship a couple of years ago, we helped build a new daycare or preschool and helped restore cottages at an orphanage and spent time with the kids. And I remember so fondly arriving and having the kids just run up and into your arms. And I would say, I can't wait to embrace people again. Yeah. Usually I can think of something to say, but you're kind of choking me up a little. So I can't, it's like, I get it. And we talked about that when you first came on the podcast about a year ago. I understand that. And, you know, I do think back again to the Ironman brand, which is more than 40 years old now. And it was founded on the mantra and became a very important tagline of anything is possible. And I'll just end by saying that if any organization can see its way through any type of crisis, even the worst crisis any of us have seen in our lifetime, it's Ironman Group and Ironman Foundation. And this is just one example of many of how you're dealing and how others should follow. So I just want to thank you, Sarah, the foundation, Ironman Group, Good360, Framebridge, Mike, your leadership. I wish you all great health and Mike, especially you, an amazing future virtual and physical racing. And Sherry, I don't know if you've done any sort of endurance racing before, but if you haven't, we will pull you into it. I just find you up, Sherry. <laughs> well, let me, let me just say I have a little bit of catching up to do. I won't disclose just how much, but a little bit of catching up to do with Aaron and Mike. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. But once you're there, there's no turning back. This, this is the only kind of thing. So we all know Sounds that. So thank you, everyone, so very much. Be well. Thank you. You as well. Okay. Thank you. This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quickkin, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of entrepreneurs and senior leaders who make it their brand's mission to do well by doing good. 
Special thanks to our amazing team, including the voice you never hear, producer extraordinaire Lindsay Hand, and the always on point associate producer Katrina Walkley, who touches every aspect of this podcast. Learn more about our show at brandonpurpose.com. Follow our Instagram at the Bop Podcast and learn more about our host at aaronquicken.com. Yeah.